Hey everyone, it's Ishan. My audio is not great this episode for reasons that will become clear if you listen. Also, it's the reason that the Forgotten Realms episode was three days late, so please forgive me and enjoy. Live from the Mundangerous Quarantine Zone in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 245 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about gaming during this coronavirus pandemic. But first, the party goes full-on detective in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, the Nosomatic Chirurgeon turns the Mark of Healing inside out in the Character Creation Forge. Ishan, I want you to say that word five times fast. No somatic chirurgeon, no somatic chirurgeon, no somatic chirurgeon, no somatic chirurgeon, no somatic chirurgeon. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, audience, did we just loop that? (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. You solved my no somatic chirurgeon puzzle. (laughs) Speaking of puzzles, hey, awful monk, off the discord, happy birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. I think Awful Monk is one of the first people to join our Discord when we started it up in the first place. Longtime listener. Um, always happy to interact. And currently the GM of a play-by-post game I have recently joined. So if you also want a birthday shout-out, the key is to have been there early, run a play-by-post game for Ishin, and also ask nicely in the Discord when nobody else has thought to do that yet. That is what it takes. So there's probably (laughs) other paths that can unlock this, but that one is already done. (laughs) (laughs) So no more. No more that way. You must discover other ways. (laughs) Uh, But yes, happy birthday, Awful Monk. Perhaps another way to discover it would be to call us out on our April Fool's prank. Okay, so I it took about five minutes for people uh, to start speculating that this was an April Fool's joke, which is what happens on April Fool's. The first clue, the most obvious clue, was that it was 69 minutes long in the episode that we released early on Wednesday. Um, nobody noticed that we did it because it was the first time we've had 420, right? Like, April 2020 is month 420. Ha huh, ha, huh, 420, 69, get it, get it, get it. Numerology jokes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, funny numbers. Um, but then what happened is a bunch of different pod like catchers will scrub duplicate entries from feeds. And thus, lots of people have missed the actual real episode that came out. Uh, so on Wednesday, we released a short like seven minute April Fool's episode. It has since been renamed the April Fool's episode. Um, and episode 244, the actual Forgotten Realms review is on the feed. It is on the website. You might have to resubscribe to your feed in your podcatcher to like force it to update, but it should no longer come in as a dupe. So sorry that we missed the technology on our bad joke. Jokes on us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but hey. We we did our Forgotten Realms episode. That we, happened. We survived. <laughs> you you all survived as well, from what I can tell. <laughs> uh, all right. So I guess that's not all that's happened in this last week. No. So in addition to, you know, like coronavirus and shelter in place and all of the other bad things in the world, uh, one of the, mm, should we say pillars? One of the most notable or most recognizable faces in the online gaming community has let us all down. Okay, so Shane, I've heard about this tangentially, uh, but can you please describe what happened? 
Uh, yeah, and there's a content warning here for sexual assault uh, in a game. <sighs> so you might want to skip about two minutes if you don't want to hear that conversation. But Adam Koble, who is one of the creators of Dungeon World and the um, streaming GM in waiting or whatever uh, for Roll20 and hosts a bunch of other shows on Twitch and, and other things, right? So he's your GM to the stars on Twitch, uh, decided in one of his long-running campaigns that he was going to um, have a naive like robot uh, go in for repairs and instead of giving him the repairs, the repairman was going to give him his first robotic orgasm. Uh, which he giggled about as a joke uh, at the end of the, like, literally at the end of the episode. Uh, as the players are growing increasingly horrified as they're seeing what's happening, the player whose character it was is in, like, shocked disbelief. Um, and afterwards, everyone literally quit the show. He then apologized for not having safety mechanics in place and seems to think that that's good enough. <laughs> And I just don't know how. It's bad enough not to have safety mechanics in place. The, th the thought that you would even broach a subject like this without having had informed consent from every player at the table ahead of time and, and have people actually be on board with it blows my mind. Right. That's the, that's the thing. And then even if your players are on board for it, you're doing this in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. Is the audience on board for this? Because Was like, there a warning for the audience? I, there is in the YouTube version of it that I looked at. Like there's a the content warning, but not live. Jesus. Um, so if you watched it live on Twitch, you just got thrown into, right? Um, it, it was, I, and I was like physically uncomfortable, like watching this, like watching the faces of the other people, like as this is going on, I was like, growing increasingly uncomfortable i can't and, imagine and you how knew they this felt. was coming right because you had heard about this and then you went to watch the like youtube yes version yes exactly yeah. i knew this was coming i was expecting to cringe uh, and i was still uncomfortable so like i i just you know and people are saying like uh, you know the quality of his apology uh has very little ownership um the i mean know, it's not an apology uh, you know? right <laughs> yeah it's blaming like and the idea here being that, like, if a player had felt empowered to use an X card, they could have avoided this problem, which doesn't really address the fact that this was acceptable gaming material without consent, regardless mm -hmm. of whether or not it went too far. It should have never started, right? I think this is one of the few times where I feel sort of, like, naive in terms of, of gaming, because, like, no one we game with, no one that I know personally would have ever thought that this would have been a good idea. Uh, but then, you know, you see things like this happen and, and it, it sort of reminds you that uh, not everyone is always operating in as safe a space as some of us. Right. And this is coming from a person who also has in the past champion safety mechanics uh, is, is a very visible like queer man in the gaming space who has talked extensively about the importance of consent and then turns around and does this for a live audience. I mean, I want to say everybody can make a mistake, but you, then you need to own it. You need to make amends, and then you need to never do it again. But it doesn't seem like any of that has happened yet. Yeah, so. I mean, the never do it again is always out. Right, out, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like that, that one you can never know until it ha never happens. Um, but the other two don't seem to be happening either. All right, so I don't know. If anyone needs a refresher, we did the social contract episode. 
feel free to go listen to it, send it to people who might be interested. Uh, if this made you uncomfortable, that is reasonable. It should have made you uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. you are not feeling anything wrong if this made you uncomfortable. You're not doing anything wrong if you were calling this out or any kind of behavior that you see in person or online. Um, please, please feel empowered to, to do that because that also helps keep safe people who don't feel empowered. So everyone who, um, who did speak out, thank you. Yeah, and especially shout out to the cast here who it, I, I, I don't think anybody knows the specific internals of the conversations that went around afterwards, but they all quit. Um, which is not an easy thing to do uh, yeah. when you have somebody who has that much more like community power than you do, that much more audience than you do. Um, to all walk out together, I think, is a really powerful statement. Yeah, um, it takes a, a lot to like deplatform yourself because right, that's right. your only option. Right. Um, so just recognizing that you know that power dynamic was also very uneven, and they did what they what they had to do to protect themselves. I think is is very awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think that's the takeaway for everybody else, right? Is look out for the safety of the players at your table. Um, you know, get consent when you enter these areas. <laughs> like, be honest and open in your dialogue. And oh my god, like, just don't don't use rape as a subject matter for your games. Certainly, without talking to people about it explicitly first. All right, so. On that note, shall we check in with the Gates of Morning campaign? Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a smooth transition out of that, no, will we? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> it doesn't really tie. <laughs> all right, so the Gates of Morning campaign is our fifth edition D&D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in central Karnath, in the insular city of Vedakir, the party is chasing a killer. So, yep, after leaving the oddly preserved body of our friend Ephraim Diorian in the care of a skeptical and charmed priest, the party hears a scream outside and rushes into a nearby alley to find a nearly dismembered corpse. And after calling for the constables, they begin their investigation. Yeah, without touching anything. <laughs> right, of course. Magical investigation. <laughs> so, uh, Lenore, the Inquisitive uh, from House Therashk, can tell that the man was attacked from the front because that's where the wound seems to be. Uh, however, he's loaded for bear. He has a longsword and a dagger, both of which are still sheathed, and he's wearing studded leather. And judging from his scream, he saw whatever it was that killed him, but it finished him too quickly for him to actually react or even draw a weapon. He seems to have basically been nearly cut in half by one obscenely strong blow, and that has splattered the wall behind him with his blood. And nearby, there is a partial set of prints revealing a bare humanoid foot, smaller than an adult human male, and knuckles. So whatever this creature, this uh, assailant was, it was loping on all fours. So Lenore and then Warden, the druid in wolf form, try to track this creature down, but the stone terrain is just too hard for them to follow the trail. But Lenore will be able to recognize the prince in the future, and Warden now has the scent. So the constables finally arrive, and of course they detain the party. Until Inspector Sigor, uh, who has made the party's acquaintance, arrives. He sort of half-heartedly accuses them of this murder. He obviously doesn't really believe it, but, you know, they're outsiders. He's just going to make an accusation to see what happens, and they deny it. He does note that, that death does seem to follow them wherever they go. Uh, I mean, yeah, fair, except that we also seem to be following death, so, <laughs> you know, like, 
<laughs> you know, death follows you too, Inspector. <laughs> You're a murder police. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it from his perspective. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so the party points out what they've discovered, and he seems to relent and enlists them to find the killer. Um, he doesn't recognize this man. It doesn't seem to be someone who's particularly important in town. So, you know, if you're good at following death, go find who did this. Mm-hmm. So we then conduct a more thorough search sort of under his watchful gaze. And we discover that the dead man uh, has no identification, no coinage, a grot uh thieves tools silken rope he looks like an assassin yeah (laughs) so with very few leads the party debates their next move they consider that they could go speak to the ondarian dwarf bach again in the sanatorium but they decide instead that right now they're going to head to house jurasco to find out more about what exactly happened to them four years ago on the day of mourning now that they have discovered that they have apparently been vivisected in the past and do not remember it happening. Yeah, so House Jurasco, the House of Healing, uh, has its ancestral enclave taking up a large part of the city's wealthy northern neighborhood on hills that kind of tower above the current location. So on the way, uh, the party gets a sense that we're being followed, but we can't quite see who it is, can't quite figure it out. When they get to the gate, there are halfling sentries who block their way. But the halflings actually do seem happy to see non-Karnathis for a change. Remember, this is uh, the House of Healing's enclave. This has been around for maybe 2,000 years, maybe longer than that. So before Karnath was ever a country. So the halflings don't really identify themselves as Karnathis. Right. So uh, playing the only card we know we have... We cl- honesty for once. Yeah, <laughs> we tell the ga- the halflings at the gate that we are survivors of the disaster on the day of mourning that destroyed the Jurasco Enclave near Loom Keep, and we get some strange looks, crazy looks even, because they inform us there has never been a house enclave in that location. The party's very confused by this because, of course, <laughs> that's where they died. But then they start giving a little more information and they mentioned that they were there with Wilmo, who ran the Enclave. And when they say the name Wilmo, the halfling's eyes light up with recognition. They send a runner and then escort them inside. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, hey everyone, uh, we're talking about playing during the pandemic And I think this is probably our first episode ever that is tied to current events. And I mean, usually we try to make these things long tail so you can listen to them whenever. Uh, But the current coronavirus pandemic is looming so large that we did want to talk about how it's changing the way that people are gaming and maybe some ways that you can adapt your sessions and even your stories for an age of quarantine. Yeah, I think... uh... This is this is one of those this is one of those events that changes changes us when it's over, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I don't think everything is going to quite go back the way it was afterwards, uh, and it, it feels like you know a lot of people are trying to kind of take the high water mark of of where things are in the moment, right? So this isn't lost to history, um, and somebody should talk about how gaming is changing because it's it's strange to see how quickly things have shifted and adapted just across the spectrum for people who want to play tabletop games together. 
we have a lot of thoughts about the pandemic in general, but our platform here is about gaming. So right. yeah, <laughs> exactly. let's talk about that. So, <laughs> so first off, I think let's talk a bit about protocols, okay? When it comes to everything, but also when it comes to gaming, everyone's health comes first. If you are very, very ill, if you are coughing, if you have a, a fever, like a, a high fever, sleeping is probably better than gaming mm-hmm. right now. Yes. If you are short of breath, if you are experiencing acute symptoms, please don't play a game that requires you to sit up and talk for hours. Yeah. Please don't play a game that maybe gets you too emotional and like increases your pulse uh, and, and your blood pressure. Okay. Like take care of yourself. A big symptom that's like kind of going across. I know in New York and especially increasingly in other cities is they're having to deal with like the cost of social distancing and sheltering in place is, is the grief and mental health aspect too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So equally important is if you don't feel up for it, do not feel obligated, like protect yourself. Like I personally see it as a, an escape and a release, but not everybody does. And not every game provides that. So protect your mental health as well that's also valid right if there was a time to bow out of obligations now is the time please tell that to my family and their zoom calls (laughs) all you have now is time to call (laughs) i know it's terrible for introverts (laughs) so for those of you who are not introverts though please remember continue to social distance no exceptions this means no gathering in small groups for game night. It yep. doesn't matter if you all get together and are still sitting six feet apart. Yeah, I don't care if you're playing in a banquet hall. It's still not okay. <laughs> uh, the only way to stay safe is to stay away, right? This is the flatten the curve thing. This is the the um, the importance of not spreading when you're asymptomatic, right? Like gaming is not worth your life. Stay home. Find a different way to play. Right. And even if you're feeling brave, although I would say foolhardy, um, Mm -hmm. protect your friends, right? Make sure that they aren't catching this from you. For all you know, you already have it. Right. Which means you should be playing online. And if you are listening to this podcast, then you have an internet connection and you can play online. Oh, well, there are a few people who are getting it over uh, two tin cans tied together with a string. So (laughs) (laughs) those people, sorry. We're tapping it out in Morse code. But hey, right. you can game over string. It's fine. That's true. <laughs> it's got it's got a maximum transmit distance of six feet. <laughs> Just keep it taut. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's, it's important. Um, so playing online is the best way to get together these days. There's Zoom if you don't mind people snooping on your games. But I mean, who cares at this point? Google Hangouts, FaceTime. Roll20, Virtual Tabletops. We covered a lot of this in episode 229 because I guess we're very prescient. Yeah, I mean, we should talk a little bit about our experience here um, Mm. because we have switched. We started with Discord. So a lot of people don't know that Discord does have video chat. um, And what's nice about Discord's video chat is that it shows like a gallery mode by default. So you can see everybody's like camera at once, not just the speaker. Um, Some other platforms don't give you that. Um, But Discord seems to have a a soft cap on how many people can be on a call. And it's certainly somewhere less than eight because with eight people on the call, (laughs) everyone's like, somebody is having a technical difficulty every, like seemingly every five minutes. Right. Audio is getting dropped. Um, I hear it is better uh, or more reliable if you're only doing audio. So if you're doing a game that uh, you only need to hear each other, then that probably will work fine. Yeah. Discord's great for voice medium for video. Zoom is 
by far the best, but also comes with some security and general uh, privacy scumminess issues. Um, but, you know, like whatever platform you can get everybody onto is probably the right one for you, whether it's mm-hmm. Skype or Hangouts or FaceTime or whatever, right? Right, because people, if they already have it, then they already probably know how to use it. So right. you don't need to train people. Yep. Uh, what do you think about virtual tabletops, Roll20, battle maps, all that? Uh, I mean, if you need them, like your Roll20, your Astral Tabletop, your Fantasy Grounds, or Tabletop Simulator are all like great ways to look at it. Like whatever virtual tabletop you have, um, like that you're comfortable with as the GM is a good one to go with. Um, especially if you need those maps or character sheets all in kind of one place. Uh, if you want an online dice roller, I prefer rolls.org, R-O-L-Z.org, uh, which is just like a chat room slash dice roller. Um, makes it very simple. If you're dealing with super new people who don't really know dice or maybe don't physically have dice with them, um, Google. You can just Google the dice notation, 1D6 plus 5, and it'll roll it for you. Like visually, I prepped all of Stream of Blades using Google's dice roller because it's only rolling d sixes in the book for for Band of Blades. So I just mm-hmm. did it in the Google dice roller. That's great. I mean, it, they'll do polyhedral dice too. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Um, and you know, easy for people who don't really understand what this dice thing is, right? <laughs> but they know Google. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's talk a bit about the kinds of themes that you might touch on. Not necessarily, not in a pandemic focused game, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about playing now at this moment in time so i think everyone has probably played a post-apocalyptic game right and part of the fun of that is wondering how you'd survive if the world gets turned on its head yeah even if it's not a role-playing game you've definitely done that what would i do in a zombie apocalypse game in your head yeah while you're watching walking dead you're like well that's dumb i wouldn't do that yeah exactly (laughs) i'm not that stupid oh wait i know how to use an axe right but guess what? Here it is. And well, for those of you who are still going outside when you don't have to, you are that stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going into the basement alone. That's what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so I think these days there are probably two ways to go about gaming. You either lean into the existence of the pandemic or you lean way out and go with escapism. Right. I think this this is maybe one of those depends on where you are type things. Um, if you are in an area that is being currently hit very hard by coronavirus, if you're in sort of the middle and 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 apex stages of infection in your area, escapism is probably the way most people want to go. Uh, yeah. I know here in New York, that's where I want to go. <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with post apocalypse. I might I can look out the window if I want to see that. Right, like the news is hard to listen to, but everyone's listening to it anyway. Um, people usually want to take their minds off stories of overwhelmed hospitals, um, the sounds of ambulances driving by your house all the time. Uh, people who are sick probably don't want to think about their symptoms because one of the symptoms is, you know, your heart racing and feeling a tightness in your chest, which anxiety can do on its own. Right. You might look into more lighthearted or even silly games. You know, this is a great time for your honey heist or your be gay do crimes <laughs> or your everyone is John. Or uh, everyone is Guardsman John, as we played at Thrillicon. Or even just one-shots of your regular, you know, D&D game. Feel free to, like, take a break from your long-running game right now if it feels too dark. And, you know, play a a wacky one-shot. Play something silly. Play a party of gnomes. You know, do whatever you need to do right now to feel better. Yeah, and and if you aren't interrupting your long-running game, right, like give your players a break from the tough moral choices, right? Let them just be a little more noble bright than they would be otherwise. Yeah. I'm, if you have, I mean, if you have anybody, but if you have doctors in your 
uh, group. Maybe don't throw out the moral dilemmas right now about which person you need to save because that's just a little too real these days. Yeah. Um, I will say though that like our Dark Sun game, I still find that very escapist because we're it's pretty high fantasy, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty dark. <laughs> it is. We do we do a lot of heartless murder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but right now it's not heartless murder that's scary outside. So That's a good point. <laughs> it still feels escapist to me. Gives us a little bit more control we get to murder some bad guys or at least some worse guys. <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you are leaning in though, one of course like have the conversation ahead of time, make sure everyone's okay with that. But you can entertain the idea. It is okay to entertain the idea because darkness can be inspiring. And so, for some people, and sometimes, the best way to come to terms with their fear is to closely examine it. Yeah, I, there are plagues as a common theme in many games, uh, ranging from your you know fantasy <laughs> spell plagues to your <laughs> sci-fi uh to your board games right like pandemic is literally a board game <laughs> so uh this is actually an interesting comment you have in the note what does playing pandemic legacy look like right now uh a week ago my mother was like hey we never finished playing pandemic legacy season two can we try and get that like remote setup working again so that we can finish it i was totally wondering if people were gonna like dive back into pandemic legacy right now I doubt it that it's on Tabletop Simulator, but if it was on Tabletop Simulator, I would play the shit out of it right now. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It can be a super cathartic experience to overcome a disease in a game while the world is trying to do the same thing in real life. Like, it would be great to actually succeed to, like, feel like you got to win. Right. Well, then maybe play season one because season two seems to be way harder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> real life is season two. <laughs> yeah. Before you do this, though... And, and I would say on an ongoing basis, if you are sort of incorporating the pandemic into your game or even themes of it, just bear some sensitivity in mind. Some of your players or their family or their friends or your family or your friends might be sick right now. And you may not know it because not everyone wants to, you know, share personal health information all the time. So, like, just be careful with things like jokes about Lorona, you know, unless you already know that people are okay with it. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, it's not just corona symptoms that are the problem right now. Um, there are lots of people with pre-existing conditions or, or chronic conditions that are also being severely threatened by the deterioration of our health system. So, for example, people who have lupus are now competing with, frankly, idiots for hydroxychloroquine, uh, which is... You know, the medication that they require to manage their lupus is now being recommended uh, as an unproven treatment for coronavirus that is becoming a problem for them, right? Um, people who have cancer are having mm -hmm. trouble getting their treatments. People who have like other, you know, medical needs are not necessarily able to safely receive them or are adding anxiety by trying to get those taken care of. Right. Even people who are not dealing with life-threatening illnesses, like all elective surgeries have been canceled, basically, which means that your knee replacement is not happening. Right. Uh, or if you are a pregnant woman right now, this must uh, be terrifying. Yes. So please just keep all those things in mind. Um, you may not necessarily know who is sick or who is going to get sick. Uh, hey, everyone, I've had symptoms for about a week and a half now, uh, and I have been basically locked in a room, uh, not seeing anybody. No, I've 
not basically, I've been locked in a room, not seeing anybody uh, and not leaving uh, because though my symptoms are very mild, which makes me extremely lucky, uh, it does also mean that I am probably, no, I'm definitely contagious. So I can't get near anybody because I don't know who has had it or who has not. Right. Like this is, this is Schrodinger's disease, right? Everyone has to assume that they do have it so that you don't infect anybody else. But you also have to assume that you have never had it because it's possible that you didn't because no one can get tests. And so you don't want to say, well, I was sick and then go outside and then actually get it. Yeah. You have to treat, uh, treat other people as though they can be infected and you are the one who will infect them. And you have to let other people treat you as though they can only cause you your first infection. So I would say that honestly, like gamers who have good gaming experiences are probably really equipped for this. Like look out for everybody else and, and make sure that everyone else is safe. That's the kind of thing that you're doing all the time when you're having a, a, a good game and you've established the social contract and like all the stories that we're telling together are making sure that everyone's having fun and everyone's feeling safe. Yeah. And so I think that just means uh, expanding the subject matter that you would check in on regularly, mm-hmm. right? Maybe add a little bit of, of this sort of medical flavor to what is otherwise, you know, some more, mm, broader social topics mm-hmm. i will say this does mean that uh, we recorded our forgotten realms episode while i was sick okay so you enjoy that mm-hmm. you enjoy that coronavirus episode <laughs> how are you doing right now ishan <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the spell plague <laughs> while i was in a plague room okay <laughs> you know anxiety is high for everybody but just speaking from my personal perspective, again, very mild symptoms and extremely lucky. Uh, gaming has helped a lot. It's been a, a really great escape. Um, it's been really nice to like see everybody. And also, I was very glad that we decided to start social distancing early. So like, there wasn't a possibility that any of us had infected anyone else because we haven't seen each other in person in like three and a half weeks. Yeah, we, we got a little bit lucky, I think, just in, in where the guidelines came down between our sessions was mm-hmm. like, cool, they came down five days after our last session. So we were pretty safe and and well out of the danger zone for our group. Right. At this time, it is also probably worth revisiting the X card and lines and veils right now. You know, you don't necessarily have to be like, hey, everyone, tell us if you're if you have symptoms or you know someone who does or or whatever so that we can be careful. You can just have a conversation again about being like, hey, is there any topic or anything that people don't necessarily want to be talking about right now? And it is very reasonable for people to be like, can we please just not talk about diseases? Can we not deal with plagues right now? I would love that. Yeah. So we've also had some logistical changes to uh, our weekly gaming session. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> our gaming group is eight people, which is usually seven players and a, and a GM. Uh, however, we have seven people so that we can consistently get a quorum of five people present. Right. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, D&D with eight players or with eight people plus D&D online with eight people is a very different experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it is. We have had full attendance for multiple weeks in a row for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, it has never happened before. Uh, we We were not prepared for this in any way. Yeah, and then like you add in... You know, uh, you know, our gaming group is is friends as well, right? We don't get to see each other at all, otherwise, obviously, being being distanced. So, like, 
it's very hard to keep everybody focused and you can't have a side conversation easily when you're online, mm-hmm. right? You can't like side video chat. <laughs> so we end up in this like very meandering kind of game instead of like everybody drilled in to play the game. Yeah, right. Like I think we determined after the first time that you are kind of want to make jokes in the chat, but also like it's hard to like get a quip in in the chat, right? So sometimes you, you blurt it out, but everybody's hearing it and that's the thing they're focused on. And for some people, like their screen is changing. So now you're talking on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's re- it's really hard to do like just those two people having a quick little conversation or like, hey, I'm showing you a thing on my phone that's funny while someone else is taking their turn, right? right. Or even just being like, hey, how does this spell work again? Or like, or even like you and me talking about tactics while someone else is is like taking their turn, right? Yeah, somebody is looking at their character sheet trying to figure out which spell they're going to use right now because the situation just changed on the map and we're talking tactics for our next turn and now we have crosstalk and everything is a little bit slower. Yeah, uh, it's also hard because I want to look at my character sheet. That's on a screen <laughs> uh-huh. and I've got to switch a tab because I'm only using one screen, but now I can't see everybody. And then now I need to go to look at the map. So I'm constantly switching tabs and that takes forever. Yeah. Do you have any uh, solutions for that? <laughs> I do. Uh, become the mayor of Screentopia the way that I have. <laughs> Get your battle station ready, Ishan. That was like, everybody else was stockpiling rice. I stockpiled monitors. <laughs> right. <laughs> do you have, you have two side by side now? I do. Uh, and actually, when I, when I work, I plug them both into my work laptop. So I have three screens for work. It's, <laughs> it's, it's dystopian how happy I am about my work setup. I hate myself for saying this, but I do love how I can work now from three screens. <laughs> Look, I, I appreciate that, that you have that setup. I am now, uh, after like a week of trying to deal with one screen, I just started using both my personal laptop yeah, two and laptops. my work laptop side yeah. by side. Yeah. <laughs> but then you run into the, the two keyboard problem, which yep. I also find frustrating because I like I did that before I had both set up. I was doing that on like two separate screens. And then it's like, I can't reach my keyboard or like, where does my food go? Because like, that's now a thing too. You know, we're playing at dinner time and it's a mess. It's a mess. Uh, so I would say expect to get like, half as much maybe three quarters as much done in your regular session if you're taking the same amount of time it's just going to go slower on the flip side though you might be able to play longer sessions so maybe you end up making the same amount of progress well the other piece of this we don't have to deal with this in our group uh just because of of our life situations but like if you have kids who are now cooped up at home as well you can perhaps no longer escape the children to go play games. So you now have to deal with that in the background. Um, You might find it might be harder to play longer sessions because you also have kind of parenting duties that are creeping up that, that weren't an issue previously when you had school and daycare and those types of services available. Yeah. Cause school is there to make sure that you can game at night, not to educate (laughs) your children. I'm a good father. (laughs) That's the whole point of it. That's why they send kids away to camp. Mm-hmm. Three weeks of learning archery and horseback riding. Great. I'm going to get so much gaming done. Exactly. <laughs> How many badges can my character earn? Hmm. I think we've also learned that it can be helpful to try to let minutia go just because there's so many little fiddly bits that you're dealing with when you're online gaming. Maybe that means getting rid of the grid entirely and just going to theater of the mind. That works perfectly fine. Maybe it means not worrying so much about exactly how your digital mini on the screen looks, like whether the weapon matches or whether it's necessarily the right height. 
Ishan, my Janasi rogue has been using an elf mini for three weeks <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Ishan, I hate it. I salute your sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it enough to log in and find a better mini. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's the thing, right? Like, if you want to fix that, you should definitely fix that. Please don't fix that in the middle of the session. Mm-hmm. Please do it before or after. Right. Um, but, you know, you probably have way more time to spend as long as you want getting your mini looking exactly right. Like, I don't know, go to Hero Forge. You know, now's a, now's a great time. Oh, yeah. Take it, take advantage of that new digital digital mini option they're offering. Yeah, exactly. Make them look perfect. Yep. You have no excuse now. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and we are not dealing with it right now, but a lot of people, I think, are finding new players because there are a bunch of people who are like, huh, uh, we're stuck inside. You play that D&D thing, don't you? Yeah. I had that come up on uh, on work calls and on Zoom calls, like family <laughs> Zoom calls, like extended family, right? It was like, what's that thing your podcast's about? It's a game, right? Is that a thing that we could do? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jim... Uh, and his wife went to stay with uh, their in-laws a while back. And apparently the in-laws were like, hey, uh, can we play D&D? And then Jim ran his in-laws through, like, uh, was it Ice Spire Peak? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he played through the D&D Essentials module. Uh, and now he has introduced the Muggles to gaming. They've been married for years. I believe they've never expressed any interest in D&D before this. Right. Desperate times. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a really great opportunity to introduce new people to the hobby. Um, you have a literally captive audience. Feel free to suggest it. And if people bring it up, you know, great. Bring them on in. Invite them to your regular session. You may have people who are interested because you are now sequestering yourself in a room and getting this nice, like, four-hour respite. And they're like, wait a minute, I want that too. Yeah. Uh, you, you also have people who are keen on video games, who are looking for something new. Because, honestly, there's only so many video games you can play. Uh, though people are playing so much Animal Crossing Still, I I don't know if maybe there is no theoretical upper limit. I guess we'll find out. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is nice to have something that's a little more uh, interactive rather than yelling at each other over voice chat. Yeah. So if you are going to introduce a new person to a game, I'd say probably start with something simple. We did an episode on teaching new players, episode 227. You can check that out. It doesn't need to be... D&D, it doesn't need to be a complicated system. You know, you don't need to, you know, break out Burning Wheel or Pathfinder right now. Yeah. Uh, You could start with something very simple. Yep. Or, you know, there is still, like, surprisingly, some muggle brand cachet for D&D, right? Like, D&D has come up in the mainstream more often. Maybe play D&D, but just bend a lot of the rules so they're easier, right? Yeah. Like, don't be a stickler. Don't make them read anything. Give them their character sheets. Teach them how to roll the right dice and just go. Yeah. <laughs> this is a nice time to revert to uh, fighter cleric rogue wizard yeah (laughs) (laughs) which of you wants to be the rogue and this is where it's nice to start at level one with all the decisions like spells and stuff made for them um where they don't have to like parse all the information right choose Mm -hmm. spells that are very straightforward this one does healing this one does damage this one does a group of damage end of story and then don't take it personally if they're not into it and don't take it personally if they're really into it 
But then once all of this pandemic subsides, they decide that they're not into it any longer. Yeah, it turns out I like being a foodie more than I like being a gamer. So (laughs) sorry. Oh, my God. The worst thing about being stuck in this room is that I can't cook. And so I've just been watching cooking videos. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Send help. Thank you. Bon appetit. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that's happening, and I think to all of us, is that we are getting into new games. I have seen more of this in the past two or three weeks than I've ever seen before. Uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People who are playing new RPGs, but also people who are getting new gaming groups around like board games in tabletop simulator, people who are playing like Jackbox obsessively, people who are playing other video games, like people are finding ways online to play get in (laughs) it's a gold rush (laughs) gaming uh finds a way (laughs) right and and, and these aren't new players right these are consummate gamers who are joining new games (laughs) all the time i i mean so yeah the other so we didn't talk about this up front right but i think the other reality that a lot of people are facing is they are getting laid off they are getting furloughed they are Mm -hmm. getting their hours cut or their salary cut and like they are finding genuinely more time on their hands and there's i'm seeing a lot of people who are like i finally have time to do this thing let's go do this thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. however you might want to be careful about taking on an unsustainable amount of gaming you know maybe maybe you don't mind and you understand that you know if things kind of go back to some semblance of normal whatever normal is going to look like after this that you know, you won't have nearly as much time to game, and so you'll drop out of some of them. Maybe you're fine with that. Maybe the people you're gaming with are fine with that. Um, but just keep that in mind. You don't want to be in sort of the awkward position of being like, hey, I've really enjoyed telling the story with you. I know you have big plans for it, but uh, I can't do four games a week anymore. I yeah. can do one, maybe two, and so I've got to drop out. Right. So look into short games, you know, games that are going to do one small arc, games that are going to run, you know, a few levels or, you know, a limited number of sessions, even just a series of one shots. Right. Or uh, look at look at a, a model where you can have drop in, drop out players, right? Something where you can start the game now and sort of evolve the player base over time. So when things kind of go back to a, a new normal, you've got a better chance of keeping the game going. Yeah. And I'll say GMs. <laughs> This sort of goes doubly for you. Uh, Be careful about starting so many games to fill your time right now and then not finding that sustainable later because you're going to disappoint a whole bunch of players if like your game falls apart because you're running five of them concurrently. Yeah. uh, That burnout's real. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it it could burn out fast and bright. So I would just, you know, maybe go a couple weeks in each game before you start adding another one to the schedule. Yeah, once you've got a social life again and a job again that you have to actually commute to, you're going to have a lot less time. Right. I know uh, when I was unemployed a few years ago, uh, I ended up getting into seven play-by-post games concurrently because what else was I going to do? And that became your job. (laughs) Yeah, basically it was apply to a job, make a post. Apply to a job, make a post. (laughs) (laughs) So worth mentioning, consider your significant others, your roommates, your partners, your children, um, anybody else who is uh, competing for your time um, when you are, you know, kind of heads down in a game. Um, 
you know, you don't want to leave them in the lurch. Uh, you don't want to leave them waiting to finish Ozark season three while you play your D and D game, you know, so be considerate. You can't, it, your time may not be exclusively yours. Right. And the dynamic gets a little bit different. Like, you know, people usually leave their home, go to one location and then play there. And so, you know, your partner uh, or your children or, or who, your friends or whomever gets their own alone time, right. you know, and like, it's good to have that separate time, but now you're all in the same space and you are doing a thing. And, and now it feels like you're just unavailable. Yep. Yep. Uh, as opposed to like, it, I, I get to do my thing and you get to do your thing. Now, now like I, as the partner just sort of feel left out. So keep that in mind and, you know, find something uh, else to do or make sure that you're spending more quality time together as well. Yeah. My, my wife made that comment this week that like, it sure seems like we have we're supposed to have more free time, but I spend all my time on calls. And they're either for work or, you know, something hobby related nowadays. And it's like, what happened? <laughs> like, how did we end up busier? You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for those of us lucky enough to still have jobs right now, uh, a lot of those jobs are leaning a lot harder on us because they know that we are not busy. Yeah. Like my former commute time has seemed to just become work time. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Why uh, you know, aren't like, you logged on at eight AM? Right. I know you're awake. Right. I, and the other the other part of this to keep in mind is like internet and bandwidth is a finite resource. Um you know, a lot of a lot of places this isn't a problem, but in some places it really is a problem. So if you can't sustain a video call uh and a Netflix stream and, you know, uh, a video game in three different rooms like maybe be considerate of what other people are trying to to do in the house as well also i think many things are going to get canceled in the future and and i think that's going to come up with cons i bet a lot of them are going to move online but i'm i'm just not sure how that's going to work so like, keep that in mind if you're considering things like a full weekend of of moving a con online it's one thing if i fly to indianapolis and my wife has a weekend to herself uh, and you know, I'm gaming all day for three or four days, but I can't lock myself in a room and game for three or four days while like my wife is also living here. Right. You know? So uh, I think that's going to come up a lot more once, uh, we come to con season. Yeah. So everyone, I hope you are staying safe. Uh, I hope things are going to work out for you. I mean, I hope they're going to work out for all of us. But not to be pessimistic about this, but we are only at the beginning of this. Things will get worse in many places. So prepare yourself. And I think part of doing that is keeping yourself mentally healthy. And part of that is reaching out to other people and uh, making sure that you're still maintaining those friendships. And gaming can be a huge part of that. Yeah, and and I'll plug our Discord um, for this. There's the the link is in the show notes because of course Discord links are impossible to <laughs> repeat out loud. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I I think our Discord has been um, very very active uh, during this period. Very supportive. Like people are very cognizant of sort of the struggles, like very individual struggles, right? And it's been um, it's been difficult to see people like come in and be like, man, like. I lost my job today, you know, like I'm really struggling with that or, you know, like, Hey, we're lucky. Like 
we're still doing this or my boss is unreasonable and I feel like I'm very at risk. What can I do? You know, like as well as just like we're sharing memes, <laughs> like finding a little reason to smile uh, during the day. Right. So I, I, I'm very proud of our little community that we built um, together in discord. Yeah. I'm always really happy that our community feels very emotionally available uh, while at the same time, loving to crack jokes. So best of both worlds. You know, sometimes you need a shutter prison and sometimes you need a main <laughs> life. <laughs> I think as we wrap up here, like just, you know, we we get through this together, right? Um, this is not the end of the world. Um, it will be more difficult than it is now. Um, but in in a few months or a year, it will be in the rearview mirror and, you know, we'll be okay. We just have to do our part. Yep, we're all in this together. See you online. All right, do you hear that, Ishan? I hear nothing here in my tower. (laughs) (laughs) I'm basically Rapunzel. Well, let's move on to the character creation forge and find you a friend. (laughs) Look, neither of us has had a haircut in so long. (laughs) That's true. I have a man (laughs) bun now. (laughs) We're we're basically turning into Rapunzel. All right, before we move on to the character creation forge, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you, especially right now. Dear Lord, we love hearing from you. (laughs) You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sense Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPT cast. You can also email us at totalpartythrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And as mentioned, check out the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. Leave behind the safety of the Humblewood and travel down the Town Group coast to the Bay of Palouche, home to both the Kingdom of Den and the Serpent Domain. But neither hold the true power of the bay, for that lies in the sea itself and the pirate lords that call her tides their own. The dread pirate Captain Bluebeak, Tiberius Fang, Kin the Bladeless, and Gabrielle Lafleur, the self-proclaimed pirate queen. Each one vying for power over the very tides themselves. But do any of them really have what it takes to hold up the legacy of the briny bulldog? Tune in each week to find out if our little crew has what it takes to stand up to the pirates of the blood-soaked waters. Dark Fortunes is available every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Set sail for high seas adventure. All right, so this week, Ishan, in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Nosomatic Chirurgeon. Four more times, Shane. The Nosomatic Chirurgeon. The Nosomatic Chirurgeon. Good enough. Ishan, what is the <laughs> Nosomatic Chirurgeon? <laughs> so those of you who love Eberron may know that this is a prestige class from 3.5. It is a halfling with the Mark of Healing who taps into their Dragon Mark abilities and inverts them to spread disease and turn healing into harm. All right. Uh, I don't know what any of the words in the, in the name of this thing mean, but what's the build? <laughs> it is Divine Soul Sorcerer 13, Life Cleric 1, Oath of Conquest, Paladin 6. All right. So, uh, so from Mark of Healing, we're going to get, uh, you know, halfling stuff. So plus two dex, plus one whiz. And we'll get a plus D4 to medicine or uh, herbalism checks. 
and then you can cast Cure Wounds and Lesser Restoration once a day. I think the important thing to remember about, if you are playing a Nosomatic Trojan in a game, it's a secret. Like, they're a secret cabal within the house, and so people don't know that you're kind of evil, um, which means that you need to be a very good healer because you're in the house. And in fact, your abilities come from you being such a good healer. So it makes sense for you to be very good at all of this. You got to be above reproach. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so you can rise within the house. Now from Sorcerer, the great thing about Divine Soul Sorcerer is you can choose cleric spells anytime that you would learn a sorcerer spell. So you have the entire sorcerer spell list and the entire cleric spell list to choose from. Which of course includes inflict wounds. You just get that because yep. uh, you're probably an evil Nosomatic Chirurgeon. You also get plus 2d4 to an attack or a saving throw once per encounter. And here's an interesting thing. Uh, you can spend a sorcery point to re-roll healing dice. This works on you, but it can also work on allies. And usually it's if an ally hasn't healed enough, um, you spend a sorcery point and they get some more healing. But if you are working at odds you can spend a sorcery point to make someone re-roll the healing dice of uh, something that they rolled very well on so that it heals less. I would recommend using this on NPCs, less so <laughs> on your own party. <laughs> yes, intra-party conflict uh, is something that needs to be talked about beforehand. Okay, yeah. let's remember that. Uh, you'll also get metamagic. Uh, of course, empowered spell, subtle spell, twin spell, or quicken spell are the ones we love there. I like empowered because um, it you know, lets you re-roll damage dice if, if they're low. And I think of this as like an inflict, right? I want to drop an inflict wounds because I'm channeling the power of my dragon mark. I harm you. I really want it to hurt. <laughs> so I empower <laughs> it. But also subtle here, again, if you are secretly within the house, this is sort of a great role-playing ability. You can inflict wounds when it looks like you are healing or tending right. to someone who is sick. Oh no, they couldn't be saved. I don't know what happened. This is terrible and tragic. Uh, and then you get a host of spells from Sorcerer and Cleric. You get the Chill Touch Cantrip, um, which deals uh, necrotic damage and then people can't regain hit points. And inflict wounds, like we said. Ray of Sickness poisons people. Spirit Guardians. One, awesome on a Sorcerer. Two, people don't usually notice this, but the spirits can also inflict necrotic damage if you are evil. Mm-hmm. So you can create basically a, a cloud of what I imagine is basically your dragon mark taking form uh, or it's some sort of like, you know, terrible miasma that you're giving off that, um, you know, sucks the life out of people nearby. Uh, and then you'll get your higher level spells, your uh, very thematic disease spells, your contagion, enervation, circle of death and harm. Now, from a single level of Cleric, you get uh, an additional 2 plus spell level extra HP restored uh, when you cast a spell that restores uh, hit points. This is interesting. It works on spells like Enervation, which damages someone else and then heals you. You will increase the amount of healing that you gain when you damage someone else with a spell like that. Yep. And then Cantrips, Guidance, obviously, is great. That's an additional D4 on those same medicine checks and everything else. And then Toll the Dead is a really nice, um, high-damage cantrip. Um, I'd probably switch over to this as my like regular cantrip instead of Chill Touch, except uh, Chill Touch has a longer range. So you know, use uh, Toll the Dead when people are closer to you. And then you'll also pick up Heavy Armor. Then from Paladin, uh, we'll get martial weapons 
uh, will be able to lay on hands, which also lets you uh, cure a disease. Yeah, just auto-cure it. Uh, and then you'll get immunity to disease, which is very important because you're probably experimenting with terrible diseases and contagions on your own. That definitely helps. You'll get a fighting style, extra attack, and smite. Um, some paladin abilities let you choose necrotic instead of radiant. Divine smite does not. Uh, I would probably, if I were playing this character, ask the GM if I could switch to necrotic. That is almost always going to be weaker, but I find it more thematic. So as a GM, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And then your channel divinity. Uh, as an action, you force a creature to make a wisdom saving throw or be frightened. And that just feels very, very thematic. When you reveal who you might actually be or, you know, you are the nice friendly healer, but there's just something unnerving about you. Mm-hmm. You don't want to cross that healer, you know. You are very sick in this bed. Right. Uh, so your leveling order, uh, you'll want to start with five levels of sorcerer, then take your cleric level. Take your six levels of paladin and then finish out sorcerer. All right, before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Yeah, your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to support the show and to help other people find us. And if you do, we will read your review on the air. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are talking about using Slod. And in the character creation forge? We're building the Toad Battler. The Battle Toad? I played that game a lot. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to be a very frustrating build then, isn't it, Isha? Oh, God, yes. It's all friendly fire all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it for episode 245 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.